my brother and I greet you this morning in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, and, and count it a joy that we might be in His house, a house of worship, a house of praise. And uh, what beauty there is outside, as even as we see the sun shining in to this place, and the Christmas of the, the crisp air that we have felt many times now. And uh, yet we find that there's warmth. Warmth as we uh, come to our Lord and Savior, that our souls might be filled. And this time of year, I'm mindful of the, uh, that great, uh, marvelous work through the bounty of this land, of the food that's provided from the earth, and that we partake of. And we give thanks for that. And this morning we come to give that bounty, to recognize the bounty given through Jesus Christ, that we might give thanks for our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And we come for singleness of, of uh, purpose. You know, we're told in the Scripture that many stumble because of the easiness of the way, uh, taking their eye off of Christ. And so today we come in remembrance, to remember Jesus Christ and uh, we count it a, a privilege to know that his love uh, provides his many blessings. I want to share with you, for by way of call for worship, these uh, words found in the book of Alma, chapter 19. For it says, Our first parents were cut off, both temporally and spiritually, from the presence of the Lord. And thus we see they became subjects to follow after their own will. Therefore, it was expedient that mankind should be reclaimed from this spiritual death. Now, there was no means to reclaim men from this fallen state which man had brought upon himself because of his own disobedience. And now the plan of mercy could not be brought about except an atonement should be made. Therefore, God himself atoneth for the sins of the world to bring about the plan of mercy to appease the demands of justice, that God might be a perfect, just God, and a merciful God also. Mercy cometh because of the atonement, and the atonement bringeth to pass the resurrection of the dead. And the resurrection of the dead bringeth back man into the presence of God, and thus they are restored into his presence. We come to remember that atonement of Jesus Christ through Jesus Christ, that uh, might even, as been said, the at one meant we are at one with our Lord and Savior. And today I would draw your attention to a special occasion. Uh, just recently, you had, many of you witnessed the baptism of our two of our youngest members, both Abigail and Benjamin Sudduth, will be receiving uh, their first sacrament, and uh, they, that will take place after the priesthood or serve before the body. Let us uh, come together and join in, uh, as we start this service by the singing of hymn number 383.
Heavenly Father, truly we do repent the times that we have stood for lesser good and spent for lesser good. Therefore, today we come in remembrance of the body of thy Son, Jesus Christ. We come to remember what he has done for us and to remember that great sacrifice, our Heavenly Father, that thou hast given. We pray that thy great spirit may come in attendance here today. Bless our brother Eric, that he may break the bread of life unto thy people. Bless brother Ed as he directs this service. May he be led and directed by the gift and the power of the Holy Ghost. Bless our pastor, our Heavenly Father, that he may impart those words of wisdom to thy people, that we may gain in strength spiritually. Forgive us again of our sins and be with us, we humbly ask, in this hour. In the worthy name of Christ Jesus, our Lord, we pray it. Amen. Lord, our Heavenly Father, we come before you to give you thanks and praise for all of our blessings. We pray that the offerings given today will be used to the uh, spiritual and temporal needs of those in need and to the building of your kingdom. We give thanks for all, for all comes from you. I pray this in Jesus Christ, our Savior's name. Amen.
chosen this morning and a little of a scripture to read to you, a familiar hymn, which we sing often. Come ye part, it is the Lord who calls us, and oh what tenderness is in his tone. He bids us leave the busy world behind us and draw apart a while with him alone. Mid restless crowds with all their noise and tumult, no rest, no leisure, find our spirits there. Our vision fails, our sense of life's proportion, unless we seek the quiet place of prayer. Full well he knows, for he himself hath made us. Yea, he himself was human, as are we. How much we need the calm of sweet communion, new strength to gain for battles yet to be. And so he calls us into desert places where human voices may not drown his own. There to receive the fuller revelation he makes to those who wait with him alone. My uh, mind uh, was drawn to this hymn. It's not a communion hymn. We sing it at prayer service. I did a little research and read about Reverend Chisholm, who wrote it. There's a lot to be said in, in that hymn. But he does talk in there about... Uh, Communion, how much we need the sweet communion. And of course, that is what we're here for today, isn't it? The service which we, we call communion. I suppose it could have been called a lot of other things. We talk about remembering Him, we talk about remembering our covenant. And yet he calls it communion. And um, as in this uh, hymn I read to you um, that uh, about our Lord, that he um, wants us to come apart from the world. He calls us into desert places. where he can speak to us, brothers and sisters, without all the commotion that's going on and the things our mind is upon and, and we think about our responsibilities. But he can speak to us and he can commune with us. And you know, um, this ordinance... Uh, this first took place, if you remember, our Lord uh, met with his disciples. Is the eve of his death. And yet he, uh, he met there, uh, had a room prepared, the upper room. And he said to them, It is with desire 
It is with desire that I have desired to spend this Passover with you. He gathered them together that he could he could share in their company. He could talk with them. He could uh, give them advice. He met with them as friends. Uh, he washed their feet, which was uh, a duty assigned to the uh, to slaves and to uh, lesser classes. And he said, it's true that you call me Lord, but that's uh, not how he uh, gathered them together as their Lord, as, as their king, as their ruler. But he gathered them together as friends, even, even uh, saints as he desires uh, in this hour, that it is with desire. He uh, looks forward to meeting with us in this ordinance, that he can commune with us as friends and uh, away from the uh, busy bustle of the world, away from responsibilities that uh, pull our attention, away where... uh, from human voices that would drown him out to the quiet peace of this sanctuary, to the quiet quietness of this hour as we gather together that he might speak and you hear his voice. To impart unto you a portion of his spirit To give unto you joy and blessing. To give unto you peace. Which we need in this world. To give unto you a vision of the kingdom. That your vision might be clearer. In what it is that uh, you are to be doing. And the work that you are to be about. His mind and His Spirit to become one with us, brothers and sisters. That we might be one, as He says. One with Him and one with the Father. That our vision might be clear. And you know, the, um, in this ordinance, uh, we are told in the uh, Scriptures... That uh, we are not to have anyone come here unworthy. That we're to prepare ourselves for this ordinance. Not that we shouldn't prepare ourselves for meeting together other times. But more specifically in this ordinance of communion, he says, let a man examine himself. Examine yourself. Look at your life. What is it that uh, you could change or you could do differently? What is it that you need to repent of to become reconciled with uh, our Father, our God? 
that you might be able to enter into his presence. And not only with him, it says, but to be reconciled with your fellow man, to be able to forgive where forgiveness is needed. To be able to say that you were wrong or to make amends. All of these things, saints, that we've been told to do as we prepare for this service. To come here that we might, that we might meet him and that he might meet us. And so Jesus uh, in this Passover did something that was not part of the Passover. He took bread and he broke it and he gave it to his disciples and uh, told them to eat it all. And he said to them, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise, uh, drinking of the wine and giving it to them. This wine is a symbolic of the blood of the new covenant. It was symbolic of what it was that he was about to do. That, that whole ordinance was symbolic. The Passover... You remember the Passover where the uh, Israelites, they had uh, the plagues on uh, Egypt. And the final plague was the destroying angel. And he killed the firstborn. Didn't matter if you were Egyptian, didn't matter if you were Israelite, uh, the cattle, the firstborn. And what did they do, brothers and sisters, to uh, prevent that destroying angel, to have it pass by their residence? They took the blood of a lamb and they painted it on the threshold. And here he was, the Lamb of God, fulfilling that ordinance. To allow the destroying angel to pass by you and I. To give us, to be able to reconcile us, to forgive us our sins. To make us that we uh, might be pure creatures. And he spoke with his disciples about this. He spoke with them, frankly, about his death. And the things that would be done to him. Must have been must have been quite a melancholy meeting, I thought to myself. Those disciples there thinking that this was the last time they would see their Lord, their friend, and all those three years they had spent with him and Him giving them instruction and guidance. Giving them wisdom. And they they wanted to profess their love for Him. I will go with you to the end. 
Even if it's death, I will, I will go. And they all said that. And yet he knew what it was that was going to take place. He'd been given that vision. And perhaps more importantly, he knew their hearts. That even though they all professed they would go, that they would not. It's a little bit like us, isn't it? We profess a lot of things. We make commitments. We make promises. We don't always keep them. And especially those ones to our Lord, at least I know myself, you make a promise to not commit the same sin again. And yet, there you go, finding yourself doing it again. And yet He forgives us His mercies and His love for us, brothers and sisters, that that we might be able to uh, be forgiven and be clean to have that destroying angel pass by. That He can come here and um, He can commune with us. And so He told His disciples that that in that hour, in that evening, and of course we knew that what took place, that uh, his death would occur. But we also know now that that was not the last time that his disciples were going to see him. Perhaps they didn't think about that. I often thought to myself that they, their eyes were... Somehow, somehow blinded to, uh, to all these things because it says later on that says, then they recalled. After his death, then they recalled that he had told them it was going to be so. And so perhaps, I, as I said, I thought to myself, they, maybe they really didn't know what was going on, what was going to happen And so it was not the last time he arose. Death could not hold him. He arose, and as our uh, brother Ed uh, read to you from the book of Alma, that by his death the atonement came to pass, the resurrection of the dead came to pass. By his death and by Him arising, we have the promise that we will not die, but that we will arise. And so he arose and he met his disciples. We know he met them as they were meeting together behind closed doors for fear of the Jews. He came to them on several occasions. But the most notable that, uh, that I remember, and that is in the, only found in the book of John, was when they were out on the Sea of Galilee, the Sea of Tiberias, it's, it's also called, and Peter and uh, others who were fishermen. 
Peter said, I go a-fishing, and they went out on the Sea of Galilee. And uh, I picture this in my mind, these, uh, these men out in their boats and off in the distance on the shore stood a figure whom they didn't recognize, didn't know who it was, and yet he was close enough they could hear him because he asked them if they'd caught anything. No, they'd been fishing, fishing there for quite a while. Well, cast your nets on the other side of the boat. Now, does that make any sense? Casting your net over here, why would the fish be on the other side of the boat? And, of course, we know the story that they did. And the fish were so great they could hardly pull them in. And yet the nets did not break. And then when they arrived ashore, uh, there he was, and they knew it was the Lord. He had a small fire here, and there was fish already been cooked, and I assume probably other things. And they ate that meal, and uh, you could picture it now, at least I do, in the twilight hours, sitting around that campfire with it flickering uh, on their faces. Simon, son of Jonas. Lovest thou me? He asked him three times. Do you love me? Do you love me more than these? Referring to the fish. And he knew his heart. And he knew his answer. And Peter became quite perturbed by the third time that he asked him. Thou knowest I love you. Do we love him, brothers and sisters? He asked us the same question, you know. Do we love him? More than these. More than than watching the, the game... More than uh, that new car that we just got, or our nice house that we've been able to afford, pay for. More than the news that uh, can just pull us in, it it can suck us in to all of the terrible things that are going on in the world. We become fixated on it. We get fixated on these little devices in our pocket. I've got mine here. It's been buzzing. Can't put them down, can we? 
What is it, brothers and sisters, that you love more than our Lord? How is it that you have prepared for this service today? What are those things that you have given up? What are those things that you have promised to change? What is it that you've done this week in preparation that you might commune? There's that word, commune, with our Heavenly Father and with His Son. It's in, that, it's in the ordinance that we practice, isn't it? Commune. It's part of communion. I thought you could have called this ordinance a lot of things. You could have called it remembrance. You could have called it renewal. You could have called it the ordinance of commitment. That's Eric talking there. But it's called communion. Because he wants to commune with us. And in that preparation, as we come here and we sit down in the pew, that if we have prepared, if we have asked forgiveness, as he said, if we've gone to our brother, if we've said our prayers and we've read our scriptures, and our minds been drawn to him, that he will come here and his presence will be here. And we won't just be eating a little bit of bread, drinking a little bit of wine, saying the prayers which most of us have memorized by now. I know I do. But we'll commune with him. He'll give us insight. He'll... He'll send His Spirit to be with us, as the prayers say. That's what He wants to do. We need to have that assurance, brothers and sisters, that assurance of the Spirit. And I got to thinking about that. The assurance that rests upon our lives that that we are walking in the pathway of light. That we are doing those things that He would have us to do to build up His kingdom. That witness that we're supposed to be sharing and showing to everyone around us. I did that this morning. I cut in front of somebody driving here and I thought, well, that Book of Mormon sticker doesn't really do me very much good on the back of my car when I just cut in front of somebody. The assurance of the Spirit. You know, some of these old missionaries, these, these wonderful men of the church, Oscar Case, they walked with our Lord. They talked to him. He talked back. It was important for their ministry. It was important for them. It was something they had to do. You think about them going out and 
preaching to all kinds of different groups, not knowing where they should go. And so their spirit was, their spirit and their thoughts, they was intertwined with that of our Heavenly Father. They communed with Him each day. Which is the communion that He wants to have with each of us. It's not just for them. He wants to walk with us and talk with us. That's a hymn Brother Estel wrote. Each day. That we might have that assurance of the Spirit to rest upon our minds. So we know what it is to say and what it is that we do. Just like Brother Case. He could pray that it rain in a drought. And he knew that the Lord would answer that. He walked with them. He communed with him. And so, brothers and sisters, this is the this is the relationship he wants to have with us. This is why we come apart. And he calls us into desert places that he might speak to us. He might commune with us. And so, as our Lord uh, sat there or stood there on the shore and uh, the disciples realized who it was when they caught the fish, Peter, he could not wait. He could not wait, said he. He, he was naked, he didn't have any clothes on, he just grabbed a cloak and he jumped into the water. He was so excited to see his Lord. And I'm sure our Lord was excited and joyful to see him. That's how he feels about it. When you commune with him... When you come here in preparation, he has joy that you've heeded his voice. And so I pray that that joy and that spirit might be with you this morning, that you might feel the closeness of that bond that we can have with our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and with our Heavenly Father.
I had the opportunity this morning to uh, commune with my Lord in the early hours. As I was petitioning him in prayer about the members of our congregation, I found myself writing three different things on a piece of paper. A category for our elderly, our middle-aged, and our youth. And I was asking the Lord, do you have anything to share with these groups? And he reminded me of a, some counsel. You know, that's what the Holy Ghost does. It brings things to our remembrance. He reminded me of some counsel that was given through the inspiration of the Spirit by one of these men on this rostrum with me ten years ago to this very month. And that counsel that was given ten years ago, I believe, is the counsel he would have for you this day. A bit of counsel to the branch. To the youth, it is pleasing to the Lord that you have chosen to walk in your present path, striving to please your Lord and through dedicated service. And if you continue, his favor will attend you and you will rejoice in the knowledge that ye are laying the foundation of life, a life of joy and happiness. And to the middle-aged, you have been faced with many trials, and there will be more trials. But as you discharge your responsibilities in loving kindness, your Heavenly Father will bless you beyond measure. And these trials will pass away as a dream in the night. You are admonished to remember that the soft answer turneth away wrath. And to the aged, the Lord has known your great sorrow. And as the years go by and you find yourself exhausted, remember that your example is still noticed by those who seemingly have given up in your family. But as you exercise great love and patience, they will see your great dedication toward the gospel. And they will one day see the salvation of the Lord as well. And as I wrote a few things beside those, each of those categories, on our elderly I wrote testimony, share testimony. And if you were in our prayer service, Brother Steve was awakened this week for our elderly, how important the urgency is for them to share their testimony. And so I'm a second witness to that as I had that same experience this morning. 
And it's a wonderful thing, brothers and sisters, as our elderly share those testimonies that our youth and our middle age need to hear. They in return desire to share their testimony. And it is such a beautiful thing. So, brothers and sisters, let us go on from this day. Let us be valiant in testimony. And may the Lord continue to bless you is my prayer. Father who art in heaven, it has been a great and wonderful joy and privilege to gather into thy sanctuary this day, to remember the great gift of thy Son, even Jesus Christ. Thank you so much, Father, for that gift. Thank you for communing with us this day that we might worship in that spirit and truth. And Father, uh, as we pronounce this benediction upon this service, May you go before your people this week. May you prepare those opportunities for them to be valiant in testimony. And may they not be fearful to share. And may you uh, protect each one in their daily activities. And as we have felt the presence of thy spirit this day, may your spirit be with them. And this is our humble prayer, Father, in the name of our Lord and Savior, who is Jesus Christ, who is mighty to save. Amen.